This is an emergency broadcast transmission. This is not a test. This is an emergency broadcast transmission. This is not a test. Please remain calm. Welcome to the How to Survive the Narcissist Apocalypse podcast. I am Chad the Impaler. Thank you for showing up this episode. And this episode we have on uh, another narcissist abuse survivor. People are liking these episodes, so we're going to continue putting them out. And this one is with a woman named Louise. And her story is, I mean, everyone's story in a way is similar, depending if you're raised by by narcissists or if you've been dating one. Louise is is interesting. Uh, She was married to one for 25 years. She has three children with them. And she also was not technically raised by a narcissist. She was raised in a home of, uh, what's the best way to put it? Codependent people who were children of narcissists. So they had narcissistic tendencies. And uh, it just a lot, she, she got through everything and she unpacked a lot. And she was really inspirational uh, listening to her because of everything that she'd been through and how quickly she's been able to understand everything. And when I say that, you'll hear. And I was really blown away by her because she really is an inspiring uh, person. And for a lot of you out there who are struggling, uh, who are raised by narcissists and uh, are struggling uh, still or who are in long relationships and had children with narcissists uh, and everything that went along with all of the abuse, um, just very inspiring of how she's been able to do it. It's a lot of simple uh, things and she came a long way in a very short amount of time. And you can tell during the whole entire uh, interview or me just listening that uh, I was really in awe of, of what she's been able to do in, in such a short amount of time. And now I've just been rambling as I always do. And I'm just going to uh, say here is uh, Louise and uh, we'll catch up with you after it is this little uh, interview is done. So thanks for everyone joining us uh, today. We're speaking to uh, Louise, who is a narcissist uh, abuse survivor. Uh, thanks for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. So you were married to a narcissist for 25 years. That's right. And you have a, uh, a very interesting tale, one that I think a lot of people will learn from. Uh, so as I always say, I am now going to, uh, get out of your way and let you, uh, tell us your story. Okay. Thank you. Um, so I'm going to begin with, um, the thing that I'm probably most proud of, which is getting out of the relationship that I was in. Um, I knew that what was happening in our family wasn't right. I knew that the language I was hearing towards me and myself and my children was not right, but I didn't really have any concept at all that I was being abused. Um, I understood that marriage was hard, um, that you have to stay in there and do the work, that you have to try and make your husband happy, that you have to keep trying and you need to stay together as a family for your kids. Um, and what I didn't realize was that what we were experiencing was that was something off the scale. And in fact, I was living with a narcissist. So um, 
I was married for 25 years. Um, it was uh, 2016 when I have a good friend who said to me, um, I was speaking about some of the incidents that happened with inside our family, and she said to me, I don't really have any more space or energy or time to listen to you telling me these stories and these unhappy things that are happening to you unless you are prepared to take some action. Um, and I had been very much wishing that someone would come along and save me at that period of time. And it dawned on me um, that uh, no one was coming to save me. And if anyone was going to change the situation, then I needed to change it myself. And that was a revelation to me. Um, so I started, I, I had no concept that I could manage on my own. I had been repeatedly told that I was worthless, that I don't understand the real world, that I can't handle money, that even my parents think I'm stupid, that I would never survive in the real world, that I couldn't ever manage on my own. And so for me, it was very hard to imagine myself self-sustaining in the world with a job and a place to live and just actually creating a life. So I luckily, I feel very fortunate to live in the time of the internet. I went online and I googled visualizations for change. And I did the same visualization every day um, with headphones lying in bed um, to visualize that change would be possible for me and that something would happen or something would come together so that I would be able to survive um, as an independent person um, and got my mindset to the point where I realized that this could be truth. I started looking at rental properties, driving by rental properties. I downloaded Rent Faster onto my computer and started looking for a new home and looking at the price of things and even just getting some awareness of what I'd need to get together to move out. So in January 2017, I um, announced that I was leaving, and that's when things started to get really crazy for us as a family. Um, the anger was off the chain. Um, I went quite spontaneously into what I now know is called Grey Rock, where I would not even speak. Um, I did not dare to offer an opinion on anything. He had told me previously um, I haven't got the time or energy to hear your opinion or hear you talking about things, <laughs> but I just completely stopped communicating altogether. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, my eldest daughter had gone to college. I only had two kids left at home, and I literally made the decision to trust my son to self-sustain through this very, very turbulent period and focused on my daughter, whose behavior was changing where she was verbally abusing me and threatening to physically attack me at that time. So I arranged a meeting with her outside the home. I said, I'm thinking I'm going to leave dad. Do you want to come with me? And um, she flipped entirely from um, threatening me inside the home to saying, yes, please, mum, please, can we leave? And I realized how much distress there was on her. Mm -hmm. So we moved out in uh, August of 2017 and moved into a home together. Um, 
I had three months or we had three months together where we were just so happy and calm and relaxed. Um, and then in November of 2017, things started to unravel for me and I just crashed into complex PTSD, which I had not anticipated at all. I really felt I'm free, I'm out, I'm on my way. Um, and couldn't understand why I was mentally unraveling in this way. So I went back to, uh, we had seen a therapist he had insisted that I was not making enough effort with the relationship and we needed to do um, some marriage uh, counseling. So I went back to see this woman um, and she said to me, um, you need to do as much research as you can about covert narcissistic abuse. Um, and that was when I got on the Internet and realized um, that I was in I had been in a, a very bad situation um, and that I had been verbally, meant psychologically and financially abused um, over the period of my marriage. So for 25, um, 25 years, 25, 25 years. years, you were yes. uh, verbally, uh, mentally and yes. financially abused. And, yes. your, and your children were also, I guess, verbally yes. and mentally abused as well. Yes. And I was staying in that relationship because of my children. And did, I, did did they did they know what was that they were being abused or did they not know either? Uh, no, they didn't know. Um, my eldest daughter, who had gone away to school, it dawned on her um, that something was wrong with our family when she started mixing or, or cohabiting with other kids her age, um, and they would talk lovingly about their father and and their siblings. My kids had been very divided. Um, uh, and, and she's like, what the, the way I was living is obviously not right. And then she actually Googled, um, why do I have a nonspecific rage at everything? And she's a very sort of, uh, she's a very introverted and quiet girl, not a rager at all. Um, but she Googled that and got straight to narcissistic abuse immediately. So she actually came to me in 2016 when I was doing all the visualization and I knew I wanted to leave. I just didn't know how. And she said to me, Mom, you need to get out. This is no life for you. Uh, Dad has cluster B personality disorders. Uh, that was the first time I'd heard that phrase. Um, and I, I just said to her, I know, I know I need to leave. I don't know how, but you have to trust me. And she was like, okay, and then went back uh, to school to another town and kind of left. There's nothing she could have done. It's not her role to extract me. Um, mm -hmm. It was my responsibility. Um, and, I, and I just, when she said that also, um, but my very, friend... Very brave of her... After she's uh, quiet and introverted, to find like to finally have the nerve or the uh, just the, the gumption to uh, say what she's probably always wanted to say, but, yes. but very scared to, because yes. not knowing what you, how you're going to react, or because at that point it becomes if when you're a child of a narcissist, um, you're scared to speak. Some of them are scared to speak up. And, yes. and then also in, in relation to you, probably scared to speak up because uh, of tr um, probably trust issues that they might not be heard. 
That's right, because uh, for her, I can see uh, the ruminating that I've done going back over time. Yeah. Um, uh, for all of the kids, there was an element of, of me satelliting around their dad, which meant that their needs were being neglected. Yes. Um, and then also uh, gaslighting on my part as I rationalized what was happening to us. And I'm saying, no, no, dad's tired. Dad's stressed. See, uh, what everyone out there need to behave. I, and I had a situation where especially my son could irritate my husband uh, into uh, narcissistic rage just by the way he picked up his knife and fork to eat a meal would be wrong. Um, so we actually moved my son's place at the table so that my husband wasn't looking directly at him. We decided us girls to do that mm -hmm. for our own safety. Um, but I would say to my son, if you could not antagonize him, just don't antagonize him. And then it actually flipped to my son saying to me, uh, at the end there, when dad completely went off the chain, we would be sitting down to eat a meal. And my son said, mom, just don't speak a word. Don't antagonize him. And I heard my own words coming back at myself, which was salutary. But I think my youngest actually demonstrated the, the, the conflicting difficulty that children have um, when when I spoke up and I said I was leaving and dad started to spin out of control she actually would verbally abuse me and and, and threaten me to for her, really to protect her own safety mm -hmm. mom don't rock the boat don't do this mom because Look what's happening to him. See, and yet when I confronted her and said, should we just get out? Oh, for God's sake, yeah. Yeah, mom, yeah. See, what, what, a, what a lot of people don't understand who don't come from a dysfunctional family in this manner is all of the different moving parts and conflicts that each individual person has. Yeah. Um, where they want, like, they want this one thing, but there's the fear of... Uh, of not being heard on one end. So they, there's no rocking the boat and everyone is compartmentalized and segregated from each yes. other and yes. not working. The communication is so far gone that, um, it's a, it's an impossible situation and yeah. in, in a certain way, I eventually, I, I assume we'll, we'll be going back and forth, but you've raised you're, you know, you're in a house of strangers in a way. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Uh, and then we would then form in a group of four and operate. Um, we would have discussions about how we were going to manage situations so that dad didn't get angry. Mm -hmm. But any one of us would throw one of the others under the bus at any moment in time. Just to, um, just to say, so you have to save <laughs> to yourself. Safe. And so what, what I'm working on now with the kids is um, because there's so much kind of baggage uh, that they that we've all come out of the situation with. Can I just we interrupt you for one second? Sure. I just want to say, and I'm sorry for interrupting. I just want to say, uh, from the bottom of my heart, uh, that you know, after all of these years, that you're able to uh, still learn uh, from all of this, uh, come out on the other end, and understand and 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 want to, and because uh, you love your children and your family so much to do all of the work that you've done. It's a real big accomplishment what you've, uh, what you've done. <laughs> Thank you. It really I just, is. Uh, when I came out, when I crashed, 
Um, and I couldn't get out of bed. It was a good day when I washed my hair or fed myself. Um, I was obsessive compulsive about locking the door, checking I'd locked the door, checking again I'd locked the door. I was entirely paranoid, paranoid about cars going down my street, um, not myself at all. And, and what I recognize now as um, very reactionary, personalizing everything, coming across as very kind of borderline um, with, you know, just to throw that word out, I shouldn't, um, I, anyway, mm-hmm. very, very dysfunctional. But I real somewhere inside, I realized that unless I can move out of this space and I, and the children were hearing that I was crazy. I am a crazy woman. I am a controlling person, which is why the marriage failed. Um, I have always stopped people from doing what they want to do. I mean, the, the smear campaign of exactly what the person, my husband is being thrown back at me was so painful. Um, but I, it dawned on me that if I can't move out of that space, He's one. And I have to push back at the envelope that is my life and this bubble that I find myself in as as hard as I can in every single direction. Otherwise, he's one. Um, and I, I need to do all the learning. Um, but so I, I have just kind of gone for it and tried to have the capacity to stand in the middle of all this shit and accept what's true about myself to look at each of my kids and recognize some of the things that they've done, but know that they were doing it simply to protect themselves. And because we never showed them anything better, that's on me as much as it is on him. Um, I never stood up for myself. Um, So, now I have to step into being a new person so that they can see that that is a possibility too. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, so once I started learning, that was it. I was um, just on a road where I couldn't get enough information. I've been reading as many books as I can, um, as reading as much psychology as I can, um, and went into therapy um, came to an understanding of what my situation was and was overwhelmed with grief for what I felt I had lost in life and what had been taken away from me, um, my ability to earn money and to have a career um, and to uh, become established, stay in one place and become established. Uh, we've always been moved. We moved uh, four times in the UK, then to Arizona, then to here, Calgary in Canada. Um, and every time I got my feet on the ground and formed uh, connections and had support from women around me, um, we were we were on to the next place. Um, and I, so I had to deal with well, I had difficulty dealing. I, I had no anger initially. One of my problems is I have difficulty accessing anger within myself. Mm-hmm. But the grief was overwhelming as to 
the control that this person had had over my life, the decisions that had been made for me, um, and the way I'd been manipulated. It was about two weeks after my eldest daughter was born that I was told, you have everything you want in life now, now I get everything I want. And to have uh, the, the love that you have when you've just given birth to a child, to have that very pure thing manipulated against you and used against you for the rest of your life mm-hmm. is not something that anyone should have to go through. Um, so I, 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 sorry, at that then, point was your uh, family, did you verbalize the, any of these things to your family? And if you did, yes, uh, yes. what did they say in return? Like, uh, I haven't verbalized a, a lot of this to my kids. Um, I'm talking about, uh, when your first child was born and the way you were feeling, did you have an uneasy feeling back then? And did you, um, verbalize that to like your, your parents? Do you have siblings or anything like that? And was that, well, do you get rejected back then? Uh, I, I knew, I knew I was in a bad place then Mm -hmm. and I kind of pushed it down. It dawned on me at that point that things weren't great. Um, I, the situation at the time when I had my daughter is that my mother and my sister had so many, um, so much advice to give me on how I should raise my child um, that I was basically uh, going out rogue uh, to raise her, or to be with her in a more connected way than they wanted. So it came at me like a wall. Uh, she's trying to manipulate you. She's trying to, babies try and control you. <laughs> uh, you need to put her down and let her cry. And I didn't want that. I'd done a lot of reading about parenting and I wanted to parent in a different way from the way I had been parented. I was very clear on that, Mm -hmm. um, even though I didn't really understand the implications of why at that time. Um, So I carried her everywhere. I had her in the bed. I responded to her. And and I came under a lot of uh, pressure and abuse for what the way I was uh, parenting my child. Um, so really, I didn't vocalize to them what I had heard from my husband. I didn't vocalize all the way through my marriage. I was very ashamed of what the way he behaved and the things he said to me um, and, and the things he was prepared to do. I was very ashamed of his behavior, and so I didn't mm-hmm. broadcast it really generally at all. Um, but my main goal at the time was to try and raise my daughter the way I wanted to. Okay. So, yeah. So I did, uh, having done all the grief, um, being in therapy and then doing all the grief around what I personally felt I'd lost in life because of this, uh, man, um, it then came around to looking at why, and I, and this is something I wanted to do is found out why, I was prepared as a person to choose this situation and to put myself in this situation in the first place. Um, I, I have, I've had several sayings through my life that I've relied on. Uh, one of them is, I am a no-helpian, and so I don't need anyone to help me. I prided myself on being stoic and being able to put up 
with situations. Um, I had a saying that I was happy all the time, regardless of what happened to me. And none of these things now, um, none of these ways of living have helped me, but I was using them as coping mechanisms. Um, and when I started analyze, analyzing uh, the way I went about being me in therapy, um, we came to realize, or I came to realize, that I needed these coping mechanisms uh, from quite an early age because I had been dealing with the situation in my family of origin. Those, those are the coping mechanisms you needed to sur- survive back then? And, yes. and then when you got older, they stopped serving you. Yes, because uh, when you're in a situation where you're being abused, being stoic is the last thing you need to be. You need to crumble and get yourself out of that situation. Yeah, when you're young, you what's going to get you by? If I put a smile on my face and don't exactly. say a word, that That's works. Right. But later, yeah. But later on in life, you're going to get walked all over and you're going to have yeah, that smile exactly on your face right. and yeah. you're not going to say a word. That's right. So I came out of my family home, um, I believe, quite infantilized, really. Decisions were still being made for me. Uh, The world was a very scary place. Um, And uh, I was a people pleaser. And I just picked a person that was going to give me a really hard time. I could see the hole in their soul that I felt that I needed to uh, help heal fix for them and so I just jumped straight in to mod- moderate that person's emotions and try and make that person happy um, and I have uh, nothing but the greatest of um, empathy for my both my parents um, my parents are both children of uh, narcissistic abusive fathers and have come from highly dysfunctional families. Um, And so I have nothing but empathy for, they were both codependent, they codependents, they found each other, they've clung to each other, uh, but they raised me uh, ready as a codependent to find my narcissist is what I believe. Well, Um, codependents... um uh, mimic narcissists, even though that they're they're not narcissists, they mimic uh, narcissism because of who either they marry or in relation if their if their parents were still alive while uh, you yeah. were born. So sometimes a lot of things that come out of their mouth, because I'm sure in some some sort of ways to your children, because you were protecting your husband. Um, exactly. A, a narcissistic uh, some stuff came out, even though that you were just his flying monkey in a way. Yes, I, I've had to come to terms with that. That is especially hard for me. Um, but it, I, the, the, what was taken from me in my family home uh, were all my own thoughts and feelings. So, um, and. And also my anger was taken from me. I wasn't able to show anger. It was too distressing for them. Um, And to some extent, my curiosity and my happiness, and I find I'm very much more of a a spontaneous person than I ever knew I was. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that had been taken from me. I was made a lot smaller than I actually am as as the as my person and i see that i have shut 
things down in my kids also um, in order to try and keep the peace as I satellited around a narcissist trying to make him happy. Uh, was your sister uh, like you? Or did you? How many siblings did you have? I have three siblings. Were any of them uh, uh, rebels? Uh, I, I was seen as being the rebel. Oh, you were seen family. as being the rebel. Okay. That's... I was the black sheep. Oh. My, my mother would straight up say, well, I don't know where you've come from. Um, I was, uh, you know, I was seen as being different from the other two. Um, my sister, I don't communicate with at all. I, um, had incidents where, um, she turned my mother against me. My mother started to believe things about me that weren't actually true. Um, and I didn't speak to my parents for a period of time in my very early 20s, which l- was unhelpful because it left me isolated with my narcissist at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, when my kids were born, when we both had our first babies, there was a reconciliation, but that didn't last long. There was a very dramatic incident in a hotel in the UK where she just screamed at me. Um, I had said to her, she she arrived at the family meeting with a, with a lot of drama. There was a lot going on. And then we finally sat down to eat. I hadn't spoken to her. Um, and I said, what's going on? You, you seem really upset. And she said, how dare you? How dare you assume? Blew up entirely and personalized that one comment. Um, and my mother said, what have you done to her? And I just decided I don't ever have to do this again. Mm-hmm. I don't ever have to be in a place where I inquire. I genuinely was concerned about her and inquired, you know, for her to um, to open up about what was bothering her, um, huff, the huffing and puffing, the, tr- the drama. Um, and I'm, I just decided I don't have to do that again. And I haven't seen her since that date. Um and interestingly, uh, she's also fallen out with my parents and fallen out with my brother uh, after giving him a black eye. So I now, I, I'm in a place now where I'm like, oh, that wasn't me. <laughs> That's not me. So I, I wonder about uh, what the, I wonder about my sister's mental health. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's off in her place doing her own thing and. And that's where we're at with that. So, uh, I, sorry, I, I'm, the, I'm the one that made you go back and uh, <laughs> to, to talk about your uh, family. So I think, I think we were getting to the point before I interrupted you um, where you were trying to unpack uh, your role with uh, your family and you had guilt uh, with your children on yeah. on, on being a, a kind of a flying monkey or a codependent uh, individual. Yeah, being codependent, yeah. Yeah, that's and that's what I'm working on right now, I guess. I uh it was my eldest daughter's grad last week and I got to go and see her and my son also in Halifax, Nova Scotia. My son has had uh a lot of he still is having difficulty accepting the situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I had the kids coming to me and saying, but mum, you were controlling, but mum, you are a person that makes everybody angry. 
Um, <laughs> so you have I, so you have one child of your of your three children. You have one that is still not accepting of. I, um, s- I, I I have one. I have potentially two. Uh, my daughter, after she, I knew I was in on the same page as her. My eldest daughter, after she'd said to me, "Mum, you need to get, you need to get out." Um, and then uh, we just had her grad last week, and her grade twelve grad was such a painful day. Uh, Dad woke up in such a rage. The day wasn't about him. Um, we were leaving too early. We were there was too much effort to get there. It was too much trouble for him. Um, we had the camera, and and he said, um, "Don't take that with you. It's only one more thing. We don't need to be dragging that around." So I have no photos of the day because I only had a flip phone at the time, and so I have no photos of my daughter's grade twelve grad. She spent the afternoon just hiding in her room to avoid rage and then went out in the evening with her friends so I arrive at her grad and I'm just like okay I know there's things I need to do I need to make her feel like a princess I need to do all the things that I couldn't do the first time around at the grade 12 grad and then I pull back and I'm like but am I projecting this onto her and she doesn't actually need this Um, what is it that she needs so we had a couple of conversations ahead of time um, and it turns out she's still angry about what happened at her grade 12 grad too. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was able to, we went, everything happened in flow. We went for brunch. We went back and I did help to do her hair. We were perfectly on time, you know, just to not have any of the drama on the day was such a relief. I got to buy her a big bunch of roses and altogether we had the most wonderful day and put to bed and 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 re did a a do over on some of the things that were so painful the first time round. Um and for my son, he came and took photos for us. Uh he wasn't going to come to his sister's grad. Um and I said to him, you know, it might be nice if you came along they don't speak. They live in the same town and they don't speak. They're at the same school. Um, so their their relationships with each other are completely fractured. Yes. yes. Um, and they probably don't even know why in a way. They don't really know why. Mm-hmm. No. Uh, my son has all sorts of ideas about how my daughter is as a person uh, that she's uh, very judgmental, that she's no fun, that and none of this is none of this is actually true. Uh, when because I communicate with both of them, they're actually very similar. Uh, it's it's really hilarious. They come out with the same things. They're interested in the same things, but they don't know each other at all. Um, There's just you know, uh, <laughs> I I grew up in a household similar. Uh, there's just, because everyone wants to, wanted to save themselves or was doing whatever, yes. there's just no trust That's right. between yeah. anyone. And especially when you live in a home with someone for 18 years, 19, 20 yeah. years, and to have zero trust in like the, the people that you're supposed to be able to trust the most, um, there's a, a healing process. You know, my family's not there. Um, and uh, there's a healing process that needs to happen 
and everyone's willing and has to be willing to do it. And you, in the case of your family, uh, I would say that the uh, narcissist not be allowed to to come out to the to the process because uh, I don't see how they're going to uh, no th- oh no th- nothing to contribute yeah uh, uh, my son saw his father at Christmas uh, and this is where the damage is this is where the wound is uh, as after I had said I was leaving. Uh, in the January, by May, uh, my husband had a new girlfriend who was the love of his life, and he's finally happy. And, um, you know, having been so unhappy with me, here's someone that makes him happy. So my husband, uh, my son saw uh, his father and and uh, the poor young woman that's now in my place at Christmas, and... Um, came back and and said to me, you know, things aren't easy for dad, you know, he's having a really hard time. And I'm like, "Uh (laughs) uh-huh. And he said, yeah, he's he's not happy with his girlfriend. There's a lot about her that he's not happy about. (laughs) And I just said, if you pardon my French, I just said, that's fucked, right? (laughs) which I, my therapist then told me I'd handled the wrong way and I should have said, and how do you feel about your father confiding in you? And But I just said, that's fucked, right? And he goes, what do you mean? I said, well, all the problems were with me and now the problems are with her and then this is your father confiding with you um, and creating false intimacy as he complains about the new woman in his life. And my son just turned around and said, but, Mum, he never talks to me. And he did. He took me to the pub and talked to me. And I realized where the look at that enormous gaping wound mm-hmm. of never having any communion with your own father and never having any conversation or, or being noticed or seen unless it was for a bad reason, mm-hmm. that you're, pre- prepared, you're prepared to accept the conversation he's had as a relationship and as intimacy and as a father, a healthy father son situation. Um, so I just uh, uh, called it out for the way I saw it. Um, and I don't know, I guess I'm just I'm going to keep doing the same thing there. But my son came to the grad and helped with the photos for his sister. Um, and then um, a friend of my son's graduated on the same day. Um, and as my daughter crossed the stage, the she, kids were cheering. They all cheered for each other. I saw my son the following day and he said, oh, I hear that there was a big cheer uh, for her. And I said, uh, yes. And he goes, oh, I said, do you know, the kids that she's at school with, they think she's badass. They really like her. She's kind to everybody. And he said to me, uh, I'm okay being wrong, mum. I'm happy if I'm wrong. And I saw that as a, an incredible step forward for our family, that his mind is open to, to his sister being different from the way that he has been told she is and feeling grateful that he's wrong on with his distorted opinion um is is there uh with your therapist uh i guess the next step maybe with your children when is it time for all of you to go and sit down with a psychologist 
to because you've done all of you. I mean, you should be extremely I, yeah. proud of yourself that you've done so much work and you understand everything that's happened. Uh, so to collectively have everyone so everyone can then understand their role. They won't do that. Oh, they I've, won't. They won't. They won't. One day um, they will. One day they will. <laughs> one day, so, one, because one, right now, uh, do you know what will happen? Oh, my guess, this is my guess. My guess is that all of the coping mechanisms that they had when they were younger eventually will stop serving them. And when they stop yeah. serving them, they're going to say, how did I get here? And then yeah. one day you're going to get a phone call saying, mom. I know what happened now and I know what I was trying yeah. to do. And it might really, take a while. Well, I, I, I hope so. I mean, already coping mechanisms are not, are not serving them. My son pays his credit card bill off every time it hits $75. He's paying it every, every week. And I said, why are you doing that? And he said, well, I'm, a, I'm, I'm afraid because he was also told you can't handle money. You're out of control around money. And so he has this incredible tight control over his, I mean, and he's very fearful around money. Mm-hmm. Um, so I said to him, you know, that that's not exactly normal and it doesn't sound healthy what you're doing. And he said, yeah, I know, but then I know I'm in control. And I said, you know, you need to start opening your mind to the fact that you can leave it until it's 100 and then next month, leave it till it's 150. You know, just start opening up, James, and releasing some of this that you're carrying. Mm-hmm. Um, and the same has been my eldest daughter is no contact from her dad um, and just will not receive any communication from him. And since she made the decision to do that, which the other two have attacked her um, for, verbally for doing this have gone hard at her on his behalf still in the role of the flying monkey um but she has just blossomed since making that decision um and and been able she's always been a perfectionist and very very hard on herself which has served her well um academically she worked very hard at school to try and get some um recognition from her father which was never ever going to come mm-hmm. um so she's able now to access a more relaxed and fun side of herself she's able to leave things more to the last minute not necessarily a good thing but she's got more perspective around the way that she works and a, a more balance in her life with regards to having a fun time as well as having a work time and, um, yeah, just when I saw her at the graduation, um, walking towards the hall and she gave a double wave with her hands, both her hands in the air and did a double wave. And just to see her taking up so much space in the world with her arms in the air, in the air waving, she'd kept herself so small and so tight so as not to be noticed and not to be attacked because she was the scapegoat mm-hmm. in our family. Um, just to see her reach up and wave was, it melted my heart that moment, because um, she's just definitely growing into a more rounded and, and bigger person and, and a, more of a woman in herself, because she can now. And I guess now your role going forward, um, being a mom, 
uh, to these children, knowing full well what has gone on. Uh, how is your role uh, going to uh, change? I guess, are you going to be observing from afar um, and, uh, and then just um, nudging in a way or uh, not nudging, but uh, noticing, <laughs> noticing what's going on and saying that you, if you need something, uh, my door is open. Like, how do you um, or how how do you regain? This is a, a big thing. How do you regain trust? Because that is what I guess is it needs is the biggest thing. Yeah. And I I could see a danger immediately having been codependent to my ex-husband that it would have been easy for me to flip to become codependent to the kids without having done any healing for myself. Mm -hmm. So I've been really mindful not to step, and maybe initially I was stepping into a role where I was trying to fix and heal things for them. And and I was coming at them hard that we should all get into therapy together. And they they were set, they've refused this far. But maybe it's because I jumped straight into oh, I'm going to help fix and heal this situation with them. Mm. I was it was maybe too soon, and maybe I was coming on as codependent to them at that time. Um, so I see my role as being extremely mindful. In every situation with my daughter's grad, I had to pull out the strands of what is it I need from this situation that uh, is for myself and what is it that she needs. And I really need to listen to her and be there for what she needs rather than projecting my needs onto it. Um, I need to fulfill my needs in other ways and in my own success in other areas. Um, so I try to be extremely mindful. And then I also try and seed, oh, you know, that wasn't right. Or the way that we treat each other in this situation isn't right. The way that you have to pay your credit card off at $75, that's no one else does that. That's not right. Um trying to uh, just flag small things that might be off that we could grow through uh, and and heal. Um, But I also see coming out of the smear campaign with me uh, being worthless um, and the children being told that I'm a person that's never done anything with my life. I have the body of a woman that's never done anything with her life. Um, Very kind of uh, toxic things that were said to them. I have to focus on myself and some of my, I, I have to promote myself and my success in life in order to show them that what was said was wrong. Um, so you're leading by example. I have to lead by example. We're in, especially as we're in a situation where um, they, you know, they won't go into therapy together, mm-hmm. uh, or even individually. Um, so I'm just leading by example. So you, um, you want one day where all of your kids just turn and say, "Look at what mom's doing." Yeah. How, how, how did how did she do that? She's not the person yeah. we thought she was. Yeah. Hold on one second. Let's actually have a talk and yeah. find out what's going on. Yeah. So so let them. So you want them to come to you, and that will. Yeah. That's just. Um, yeah, because uh, mum's not stupid, um, and you know they were told that I would crash and burn, 
um, because I can't survive in the real world. I am uh, making money. I'm living in my home. Um, I've done quite a bit of travel in the last year just to uh, gain confidence. Um, I did a little road trip and then I turn up um, at an overnight hotel and blank entirely on my credit card pin number because he said I can't handle money. And so it happens to it. it it's in your brain, but it happens to you. Um, you know, but however, we negotiated my stay and the next morning I woke up, I'm like, you know, your pin number, this is your pin number. Why would it drop out of your head? So I just try to keep putting myself in situations where I have to step up and manage in, in the real world where I was told I couldn't manage. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, so, you know, they, my, they'll say to me, well, you seem to have done a lot of stuff. I'm like, yeah, I know. I, I had quite a quiet life just in the house worrying about dad and what dad needed all the time. And now I'm able to actually do some stuff. And um, I had I filed my taxes. This is the second year I filed my taxes. And I was getting some money back from I said, oh, I've got this money back from my taxes. Oh, like the, the surprise that I could do that. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm like, yeah, it turns out that I can handle money. Um, so I just keep the more I can do, um, and the more success I can have, I have a business and the more success I can have in that, uh, the more it throws the light into how wrong the things that were said are, how wrong the perception is. So I see myself as having to really illuminate how distorted and off my husband's worldview is. Mm -hmm. And I can only do that by growing and, um, and and being successful in my business, being happy in my life, uh, learning things, doing things. I signed up for Korean language lessons, um, partly because I knew of the benefit that it would have on stimulating my frontal lobes and, and it would keep me out of my fear brain uh, when I'm learning languages and um, so I have an ambition to travel there one day. I don't know how at the moment, but it will happen. Um, so I just keep moving forward in every area. So because I am amazed, I, I really am amazed that you, uh, in two years you were able to <laughs> understand so much. I mean, uh, I don't know if whoever's seen The Matrix out there. When, oh. Neo, when Neo gets that thing put into the back of yes. his head and he learns, out, he learns Kung Fu yes. in about one second, it, to me right now, my mind is blown that you have learned so much. So many people could go through a gajillion years of therapy and not come to the understandings uh, that you have and being able to push forward. It's really inspiring. Um, uh. And is it just to, for other people to understand... Uh, when everything ended, was there like a specific route that you went like first to a therapist and like little things that you did specifically? Because I'm sure your self-esteem was at an all time low there. Like, how did you rebuild your like it sounds like you have self-esteem now? Was it a lot of baby steps that got you there? Um, I well, I rely very heavily on mindset work and visualization. Okay. Um, and I was doing that. Um, I was doing that inside the marriage. Um, 
So you started beforehand, yeah, uh, you started visualizing, a, saying, I'm going to yeah, do this, I'm going to yeah, do this, okay? Yeah, it took me a year. I started the visualization um, and I was, and it took me a year of doing that because I did not have the self-esteem to have let, to leave the marriage. I'd still be there. Mm-hmm. Um, I had to completely move my mindset um, to being open to good things happening for me, to being open to being able to manage on my own. And I let go of needing to know how it was going to work. So were there books or something that you read on how to do this or was it all kind of from stuff you found on the internet? Um, no, I only started reading books. I couldn't read anything when I was in the house. Okay. Um, and, I, and I think I was still in denial. I didn't know that I was being abused. Mm-hmm. I thought I was in a really bad marriage and I knew I wanted to be out to be happy when I look forward towards my old age, I actually believed that he would kill me, um, and I didn't want that. My health was so bad. Um, the rebound in my health has just been phenomenal uh, from leaving a narcissist. Mm-hmm. But I had health issues. I was uh, overweight. I had no energy at all. I believe now I was in, adre- in adrenal fatigue. I knew I had thyroid issues. Um, and really for me, the journey started in 2013. Um, I enrolled to study nutrition at school. Um, uh, so, um, and I, it was coming to the end of the summer and I knew I wanted to do something about my physical health. I knew I wanted, I felt about 70 and, um, couldn't really function in my life, I was overwhelmed by everything. And I knew I wanted to do something about that. So a week before the school year started, I secretly went for an interview um, at the Canadian School of Natural Nutrition, and they accepted me. And the Sunday night, I said, oh, I'm going to nutrition school tomorrow. I've enrolled myself in the class. And so I did that uh, for a year I'm in a classroom with a lot of uh, young, younger people than me, uh, uh, young women, and uh, we're exchanging emails. I don't have my own email. Um, so that was when I first got my own email. I'm there with my old flip phone from whatever date, and they're like, yeah. why are you still carrying that phone? And it's like, well, it's what I've been given. It started to dawn on me how what I was missing out on in life and I also started to heal my body and gain more physical energy from uh, eating differently and really starting to prioritize myself Um, and then three years later I started the visualization to imagine myself able to manage on my own in in the world um so, uh, but I mean, there was an entire year with the entirety of 2017, I was in deep PTSD. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just everything was a shock. 
Um, so you 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 uh, were able to build yourself up, project uh, all of what you wanted, got out, and when you got out, there was the honeymoon phase of being yeah, free. Three months, and then you collapsed after yeah. that. Was it a collapse of memory or just a collapse of? Uh, I've been through so much and you finally let everything hit you? Um, it felt like an unraveling. Um, it was a lot, a deep depression and a deep grief. And my therapist describes it as full fragmentation of my personality. And so I couldn't forward plan at all, not even through the day. Um, I didn't know what I was doing. I would wake up and I didn't know what I was doing. And I had completely, I completely isolated at that time. Um, So it was like you got out, you were in the wild, everything was great. And then it was like, now what? Yeah. Uh, And then, then you hit like a, you hit your bottom. I just, yeah, I kept wondering, where is the bottom? Where's the bottom? And Um, so how did you build yourself up from that hole? I I just knew that I couldn't let him win. I I had times, and I can never say this to the children, I would be lying in bed, and I hated my children. I hated them. And the reason was I had such a level of psychological pain and I knew that the only there was only one way out of this psychological pain and that would be suicide and I couldn't do that because I had kids so I felt I felt I had days where I felt that that option had been taken away from me by them and I was so angry with them for even existing um, I got very, very low, um, and I guess I just got into, um, I thought I would be just stood in the house not knowing even why I was stood there. I couldn't work, um, so I just thought, what do you know? What do you know? And I knew I could take care of myself with nutrition, So I wrote down on a piece of paper what I needed to consume in a day. And so um, I was very concerned about my brain health. I understood that my brain was really undergoing a phenomenal level of stress at that time for me to be thinking these thoughts. Um, So I was literally just ate coconut oil off a tablespoon to, to fuel my brain. I would put frozen berries in a bowl and just eat my way through them because I knew I needed the antioxidants and the protection for my brain and the vitamin C. I just wrote down what my brain needed. I was uh, consuming a lot of uh, turmeric because it helps to protect the brain from Alzheimer's and from depression. So I started writing down, this is what I need to eat in a day for my brain to be protected whilst this thing is happening to me. Um, and then I read um, about the impact of scent on the brain. So every night before I went to bed, I would put oil on uh, just on my neck there so that the olfactory glands were stimulated. And I knew that was pulling me into a different part of the brain out of 
out of the depression where I was. Um, I just um, ge- I just wrote it down on a piece of paper and did the same thing every day. Um, that's what I did. So it was just it was in a way <laughs> just very very simple basic. Yes. Uh, start off with like nourishing your body, nourishing yes. your brain, and, al- yes. and I guess aligning your heart, your brain, and yeah. your soul. Yeah, and the, it was a huge turnaround for me when I uh, realized that I needed to view that what was happening to me was an addiction, and I was in cold turkey, and I needed to just get through this cold turkey phase. So you're, you're, in, you're in withdrawal. Yes, that's the way I saw it. Well, the, the fact that I, you were able to come to these, um, like these epiphanies, um, it, it, it's, it's, I'm, I'm blown away. It's, it's mind boggling because, you know, a lot of people would have just uh, crumpled up and uh, gone in the fetal position and... Uh, that's where given I was. Up. Yeah, <laughs> I know, but a lot of people would uh, stay there or... Uh, you know, your, the way you came out of it, it was a lot of people had, you know, gone through a lot of different types of uh, therapies and workshops and this, that, or the other self-help books and this, that, or the yeah. other. And yours was very, very simple. Just eat clean, eat yeah. properly and then exercise. Yeah. Oh, and yeah, that was another element to the journey. Um, but I would have an Epsom salt bath every day. I wrote on my list, Epsom salt bath every day. I really had an overwhelming feeling and I went with my body on this one that I needed to just wash off all the shit that was on me left over from my relationship. I needed to wash it off. Everything that had been said about me and all the wrong things that had been done to me. Um, There was an element of I have to face within my marriage an element of uh, sexual abuse as well, or manipulation, not abuse, manipulation. Um, And I wanted to wash it all off. So I had a salt bath every day and I I have a dog and the dog saved my life. I walked the dog every day for miles. I could walk it out and I didn't need to speak to anyone. I could wear sunglasses and have my headphones in. Um, And you're getting unconditional love. That's right. Yeah. I I had the dog on the bed at night because I was having such extreme night terrors. Um, And she would wake me up uh, when I became agitated before I was deep in the terror. Um, So I was very, very grateful to her. But I have a pit bull lab mix. And she basically, I believe, started to think, this is a shit show. You all moved house and now you're losing it. I'm in control of this house now. So she started attacking every dog and person that we met when we were out walking. And I spent an entire weekend uh, where I went on the computer. I'm like, I have to do something about the dog. I moved her off the bed and then I Googled uh, Caesar Milan. And I spent the entire weekend watching the dog whisperer. And what does he say on there? He says, You have to step back into your power and show your dog that you're the alpha. I cried. I'm like, I don't have the energy for this as well. (laughs) Now I'm going to have to be alpha for my dog as well. Is is there nothing that I don't have to step up and do? Um, But I did. I, I start walking her and I make her sit at every junction, at every crossing. 
And I have the most wonderful well-behaved dog now, but I totally lost control of the of of my pet at the same time and, and then had to get that all back in line. Um, it's been just crazy. So, so it's been crazy. In a way, psychologically, the way you were psych- psychologically abused and mentally abused, the way you fixed it for yourself, because everyone is different, um, was to do all these baby steps slowly but surely, and you pro- yeah. and you proved to yourself that you could take care of yourself. Yeah, that you didn't need anyone to do that. You were self sufficient yeah. in everything, and it was it was done in a way that now I'm actually more healthy than I used to be. I'm yeah. better than I used to be, and it yeah. wasn't a giant thing here. It wasn't trying to put a band aid on anything. It was one little tiny thing that you people might not even think. Um, yeah, is a big thing, but for psychologically, each one probably gave you more confidence. The more you saw That's it working, right. it yeah. built. It built. Uh, each thing I came across as being a reality of the place that I found myself inhabiting, I wanted to change and and release it. So I read about muscle armoring. And I'm I'm like, that's why my back has been so bad for years. That's why my shoulders are up by my ears. That's why my hips ache. And so I started foam rolling. I went to a foam rolling class um, and had, in fact, tremendous support from the teacher there, too, who recognized when I started opening up, when I felt I could trust and I opened up, recognized entirely the situation I was in and then came at me with information from a very mechanical perspective of you can do this, this and this. Your emotions are in your hips and you can use the lacrosse ball and you can roll that out. And I'm like, this is another way I can get it out of my body and and change the way I actually am as a person. Um, so, and I started to do uh, back bends with the foam roller. They threw me instantly into fight or flight. I'm an, I was at that point in time unable to go backwards at all on a foam roller. And I just kept working at it every single day. I foam rolled, and at every single day I went backwards over the foam roller. Self self talking. You're in, a, you're in your own home, you're safe, you can breathe in this position. And I could go back a little bit further every day and, and I believe um, physically get out of my spine the fear of the abuse that had been laid down in there. Mm. That's, that's, what, that's the way I see it. And uh, before we... Uh, we're getting to a certain point in the podcast where we're going to have to close up soon. Yeah. Um, before we finish off, cause I, I've had someone contact me who, um, is, it was in a crisis and I, I asked the person to go, uh, seek out like, uh, the YWCA or, uh, self-help yeah. or support groups in the area. And, and they, this person had, uh, not ex- exactly the same situation, but had three children, um, and I guess around somewhere towards the same ages, like 16, 17, 18, like 19, 20 years old, and uh, was just being extremely triggered by their uh, husband still. Yeah. And was reacting to everything and still was caught 
within right. was within the system still was not anywhere near where you were right and, and everything the husband whatever the husband was doing is your husband still trying to um or ex-husband still trying to trigger you in ways um I'm I'm no contact from my okay, husband. Okay, you're no contact. But isn't well, that hard with the children or no? No. No? I, uh, the, yes, he is still trying to trigger me in ways. Mm-hmm. Um, the, uh, my son is in school. We have a joint RESP. Okay. Um, and he, so, which he is going to cut my son off from that. Um, because he believes my son can't handle money, um, which he says he will do in January of next year. So it's a, a long game. But I, I took a little bit of legal advice, and it's actually not anything he can say or do. So we'll figure that out when the time comes. When I initially left and when I initially crashed, um, he uh, he had a girl. He straight away got a girlfriend, and my I was incredibly triggered by this woman. I was not jealous of her. I was not resentful of her. But the level of fear that I experienced, and I still experience, if it's not good for me to ruminate on the place where she is. I, I feel her mental health is in danger. After I'd seen what had happened to me, I'm hugely fearful for this woman. I sound like a crazy person when I articulate this with other people. There's an absolute, I'm completely powerless in that one area, and I've had to come to terms with that. The more I try and communicate, the more I seem like a crazy woman. Mm-hmm. So she has to do her own journey, and I find that incredibly hard that, that I can't save her or help her. I find, I find that really hard. Um, but but as far was, but as far as your children go, um, he's not using them as a weapon to get back at you for anything. Oh, yeah, he was completely. I was I was driving my car when my youngest said to me, um, "You know, uh, this this young this new girlfriend. She has such a nice body, mum, because uh, she's actually done something with you, with her life. You, you're a person that has the body of someone that's never done anything. So he did use them as a, as a Uh, mouthpiece. uh, Um, Okay. But I was driving, I nearly crashed the car at the level of, um, manipulative toxicity that he is unleashing on the world that he would use his own, I mean, his own daughter that he would vocalize, um, body shame like that through his own daughter towards the mother of his children. Um, I was just so shocked, rigid by um, the toxicity and the manipulativeness of that. So he did. I heard, I've heard endlessly from the kids, um, but I just stuck with what I know to be the truth about me. I know me. But I did make long lists What? because I didn't know who I was. Mm -hmm. What do I believe? What what do I actually think are important character traits to have in life? I think you need to have integrity. I think you need to be kind and help others. I think you need to have no prejudice and see everyone as just a human like you. I wrote them down. 
in a notebook. I just endlessly wrote down what I wanted to think and believe because it was as if my head emptied out and I, I was, I had nothing left. I wasn't even a person. He had taken everything from me, um, which I think maybe uh, prior to that, I was jumping continually, uh, being triggered continually. When you're no longer being triggered, sometimes there's nothing left at all. They've taken so much from you that there's nothing left at all. And that's almost a scarier place to be in than when you have to worry and think about all the things that are triggering you. Um, you have to really go to being empty and rebuild from zero. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, yeah, it's heartbreaking. Well, thank you for coming on the show today and telling your story. Uh, I'm, I'm, I am, I know I've only known you for about an hour and 20 minutes, but I am <laughs> proud of you. Like <gasps> you wouldn't, you. like that you wouldn't believe. Um, I, 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 for everyone out there who is in, uh, uh, the same situation or has been the same situation to me, you are a glowing beacon of uh, hope and uh, how you've overcome this or dealing with it and the way you've gone about it. And you really should be proud of all of the work you've done. People have been in therapy and done things for years and haven't come close to the amount you've done and unpacked and understood in a very short amount of time. And I think uh, if everyone listening, uh, who's in your situation, uh, you can, they can be hopeful that they can get to where, where you are. Absolutely. And I kept reading about post-traumatic growth. And I'm reading and I'm like, I don't know what the fuck this thing is, but I know I want some of that for myself. And I couldn't even envisage what it would be. But um, coming on here and being able to tell my story, and I really, if I help one other person... I see that as being part of my post-traumatic growth. That is the impact that I need to have, or this is why this whole thing has happened. Um, But, yeah, at the darkest time when I read about that, I'm like, I have no idea if I could even have a piece of that or what it is, but I know there has to be a reason for all of this happening. And I just wanted to stand in the middle of the shit and move forward knowing what had happened to me. Mm-hmm. And when you, before, we, before we started the show, we were having our pre-talk, and you said that we are talking about maturity and how at a yes. certain point that uh, the maturity, uh, once you get into these types of relationships, that your maturity, st- you stop growing. And yes. so, so what I wish for you <clears throat> is that one day you will actually grow into the age that you are. Yes. <laughs> And I, I think that, very... I think that's for all of us who are in this. At one point, yeah. we we got stunted. And... That's exactly right. My yeah. whole life was stunted, and I was nearly uh, I was fifty when I left. And I'm like, for Christ's sake, you're fifty. Put your big girl panties on and get yourself out of this situation. Nobody's coming. Mm-hmm. Nobody's coming. My parents weren't coming. My mother constantly um, uh, when I tried to open up to her. Uh, encouraged me to stay in the situation and work harder at it. She kept me in place for a good part of my marriage also. So I'm, I knew it was wrong and I'm like, put, you know, get yourself out. Uh, 
It's the only thing we can do. Um, and as codependents, it's so hard to, for us to stick up for ourselves and advocate for ourselves. And But it is the only thing we can do. Well, thank you. And uh, maybe we'll have a another show with you where we uh, we do a checkup and see what's going on. Yeah. Oh, I would love that. I, I hope it's helpful for, for people listening. I think it will be. And uh, I hope you have a great day. And once again, thank you very much for sharing your story with us today. Th- thank you. And thank you for what you do. Uh, finding you was another element of the support that I had in the process. Well, thank you. And to everyone out listening, thanks for listening, and you have a good day, too. Good night. And that was our interview with Louise. And as you can tell during the whole entire thing, I was pretty, uh, I'm not shocked, but uh, I guess kind of, wow, I was wowed. Uh, it was, she was really a very uh, positive uh, person. She has a lot, she did a lot of work and it was really just really impressive. I think that's what I was looking for. I'm having a brain fart sometimes of my, my vocabulary. She was just very impressive of what she's been able to do. And she, uh, just a lot of work has been done, internal work. There's still work to go. And, uh, there's a lot more healing to happen, especially with her and her family. But as you discuss, you know, all this takes, uh, time, but I thought for everyone out there, uh, interesting, uh, interesting person uh, to learn from, uh, from everything that's been going on in her life. And uh, for a lot of you out there that think that there's no hope, uh, Louise uh, shows us that there is in under all circumstances. And uh, so I want to thank uh, Louise again. And uh, I just want to also say to everyone out there, hopefully you're enjoying our shows, especially the ones that we're doing lately with the abuse survivors and we're going to try and get on experts and things like that. Uh, Louise, uh, after the fact, gave me some people's names to get a hold of. And besides that, again, uh, tell your friends about us. Uh, anyone who might need our help or listen to us, we're adding resources to our site uh, as of right now. I was working on it today to add uh, some uh, self-help uh, groups from meetup.com throughout the whole entire site. Hopefully, I'll get that done by next week. It's a slow process, but I'm working on it. And uh, remember uh, to tell everyone, uh, give us five-star ratings on all things like Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play, Google Podcasts. Um, subscribe. Subscribing helps. Helps us move up the charts and uh, to concentrate uh, doing this uh, longer and, and creating a community. And uh, so far, this has been interesting. And uh, thank you for your emails that we've been getting or I've been getting because right now it's just me. And uh, hopefully, if I haven't gotten back to you, I'll get back to you as fast as I can. Uh, it's kind of been overwhelming with all of the responses we've gotten from this. So um, it's funny how this started off as more of a, a jokey podcast uh, to promote my book and has evolved into this. But uh, I still like to joke, and we'll get to my book eventually. And uh, ah, now I'm rambling. Anyway, this has been the How to Survive the Narcissist Apocalypse podcast. I am Chad the Impaler. Thanks for listening. This is an emergency broadcast transmission. This is not a test. This is an emergency broadcast transmission. This is not a test. Please remain calm.